Welcome to Behind the Standards with United Rentals. This is the podcast where we discuss construction safety, typically trench excavation and confined space safety, but also other topics that deal with general job site safety as well. I am Rick Plosinski, Customer Training Specialist, and with me are Kurt Sutherland and Gary Given. Kurt, please give the listeners a brief introduction. Hey, Rick. This is Kurt Sutherland. I'm the Regional Safety Director for United Rentals Trench Safety. I've been with the company almost 10 years now. I've been in the safety health environment for about 30 years, or getting close to 30 years. And uh, just my job each day is to make sure our employees work safely and uh, deliver equipment to our customers safely. Thank you, Kurt. And Gary? Hi, Rick. Um, my name is Gary Given. I'm, uh, I've been with United for nine years, uh, going on last week. Um, I, uh, I'm the, the Region Operations Excellence Director. been in that position for about a year and a half. And prior to that, I was the uh, District Manager for our NorCal group uh, for five years. All right. Thank you. So our conversation today will hopefully be informative and educational so we can help you avoid injuries and fatalities while on the job site and maybe be just a little bit entertaining. Now, today we will discuss trench and confined space safety equipment handling. United Rentals is not only a rental company, but we are also a large logistics company in that we move equipment and materials all over the country and have learned a lot of lessons, some even the hard way, about how to move this equipment around job sites, to and from job sites, and safe equipment handling during assembly and disassembly. And Kurt, let's talk a little bit about safe handling practices of a very popular product, aluminum hydraulic shores. What lessons have we learned about handling this equipment? Yeah, so a couple of things. First off, we do have a, uh, a flyer that, that helps educate not only our employees, but is available for the public as well on the, the hazards that the aluminum hydraulic shores present. And it's normally, it's a, it's a serious pinch hazard. We, uh, the, the device scissors to help you get it into the excavation to properly apply it. And in that scissoring action, there it creates a, a pretty serious pinch point that you need to be aware of. So there's a couple of things that that we stress very importantly. Uh, We have kind of the do and the do not. So in the do category, uh, always try to use the handles that are on the end of the rails. That's the safest place for your hands to avoid those pinch points. Either also we want to, where possible, utilize two people, mechanical aids, anything like that to keep your hands off is always great. Uh, wearing the required PPE for your particular company. Uh, we require gloves for all tasks at United Rentals. Uh, gloves will not prevent the pinch hazard. They will still pinch your fingers, so it's not uh, 100% effective. Also, if you uh, for our larger shores, you can grab the barrel in the middle, and that keeps your hands from that pinch point. But the best place is using the handles that are on uh, the rails is the absolute safest place to put your hands to avoid those pinch points. On the on the do not side of the equation, uh, keep your fingers out of that pinch point, that scissoring action where the cylinder head goes into the rail. That's very important to avoid that area. Hold hold them by the handles again. Uh, you can grab them by the by the rails or by the the barrel of the cylinder. Just make sure you're avoiding that uh, pinch point. 
And then we never uh, stand our shores on end. They can fall over and it uh, is quite a heavy object. So if you think you can stand it up and it's gonna stay there, it just doesn't do it. It's not stable if it's not perfectly level and they will scissor and fall whichever direction they want could land on somebody's foot or on somebody else working in the area. So you always wanna avoid that. Again, PPE gloves are important. Steel toe shoes are important because they can uh, fall onto your feet when you're handling them. And uh, I think that's the, pretty much the hazards that you have to watch for is those pinch points because it can uh, uh, really impact your, your fingertips if your hands are in the wrong spot. And when we're talking about, Gary, when we're talking about PPE, people need to understand that PPE is not going to take a hazard away. It's only protecting people from a hazard as kind of a last line of defense, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, the, the bigger these the, the aluminum hydride shores get, the more awkward they can get. One side actually turns on, on either shore. One side actually turns. And so um, these things are built to collapse. Um, when you get a bigger cylinder, you get a bigger rail. Um, I just got to reinforce uh, what Kurt said about the two-person lift. And then, um, you know, we ask our, our, our folks to wear gloves with knuckle protection on the back just to protect against that scissor effect when they, when they may collapse. And Kurt, what have we learned about transporting hydraulic shores? Well, what we like to do, obviously, we love to ship lots of them together, not just onesie twosies, the more the better. But uh, what we do if we have a big order is we tend to palletize them. Uh, sometimes we we collapse them and palletize them if it's a large order and strap those together, uh, band them, if you will, and then load them by the pallet. Uh, other times we will stack them unscissored, if that's a word, and we'll stack them, you know, five or ten high, depending on the order, and then we'll secure them in the expanded uh, position, which makes them very easy to handle. Again, with a forklift, you can get in and lift them by the cylinders or again, put it on a pallet and then lift the entire pallet and it helps you to move them around the job site to get them close to where they're gonna be utilized. So again, the, the more we can palletize, uh, secure them in either a fully collapsed position or totally expanded, secure them uh, tightly so that they don't scissor unexpectedly. That's what you don't want. You don't want your hands near it when they collapse. And anytime you can avoid that by using the handles, using mechanical lifts, uh, we load them with our crane trucks, uh, especially if they're more than one cylinder. Our, our rule is if it has two or more cylinders, it's a two person or a mechanical lift is a pretty good rule of thumb because they become heavy and, and the more pinch points you have, you now immediately have four pinch points. Or if it's three cylinders, you have six pinch points. So knowing exactly where they're at and just getting away from it, let mechanical devices handle that risk and get them close to where you need them at the job site. Are there any quick points that you can give to our customers when they're installing the equipment other than just the things that you described, pinch points and scissoring and all of those other kinds of things? Are there any other points that you can actually pointers you can give to our customers about installation? Well, obviously, um, we want to install and deinstall from outside of the trench. Um, you know, uh, there, we have lifting tools, release tools, and we have all the appropriate ancillary items needed that you shouldn't have to um, be in the trench to install uh, hydraulic shores. And so uh, it's important just to use the, use the tools you have in front of you. Excellent. So let's move on to another 
very popular item, Kurt, MAPS. Now, MAPS stands for Modular Aluminum Panel Systems. These are very, very, the panels themselves are kind of light, but when it's all together, it can be a really kind of a complex piece of equipment to actually maneuver around, assemble, disassemble. What are the best practices that we have learned on that? All right. So a couple of things. They they are aluminum. So you think, hey, I've got this aluminum can. It's recyclable. It's lightweight. That's why we love to have our beverages, adult or not, in a, an aluminum can. But uh, these get heavy really quickly. So first of all, uh, our internal rule is is six foot or less. We can we can handle those uh, depending on the size. You know, below that, two person lift is preferred. Uh, once you get to an eight foot panel, just because I think a, an eight foot panel gets to 102 pounds, just like that, uh, all by itself. So each person is now lifting 50 pounds on a on a good day. Uh, so again, using your mechanical advantage, using forklifts and different tools like that to handle them. Uh, the other thing that's very deceiving about them is because they are light, uh, relatively speaking, and you can maneuver them around. You have to if you're building them that you they they snug together there's a channel that goes into a, a slot and you have to get them together to assemble them and uh, we found that it's very easy to get your fingers in those pinch points when you're putting it into the the corner post there's pinch points there when you're aligning the holes to put the pins in uh, there's pinch points the panels rock back and forth there's a lot of play in the system by design uh, to help you with assembly uh, if you're not careful with where the panels are, if you're building one side and then the other, uh, the panels could flip over if if not weighted properly. Uh, obviously, they catch the wind if it's a windy environment that you're building in. So just really have to be aware of, of who's around you. Uh, we do not assemble uh, with less than two people. Again, somebody has to put the pins in, somebody has to hold the panels. Uh, we use a... Uh, an alignment tool like uh, steel erectors use to help line up the holes to get the pens in easily. Uh, so just being aware again where your hands are, gloves are, are important for the little burrs that happen on aluminum. Uh, but again, a glove is not going to protect your hand from those pinch points if you get it in there. Want to make sure you're following the manufacturer's instructions with regards to how many pens go in a panel. I believe it's two uh, pens per panel. That way it's properly uh, engineered and secured so it's not going to come apart if it, if it sees any pressure in, in the excavation. And then the size consideration for transportation. You can build these really large. Uh, depending on what truck you're putting on, you could be over height when you're transporting these to a job site. So again, we assemble those for our customers, but at a certain size, we can't assemble it because we can't transport it there without getting over height or over width loads. So we're very careful to make sure we know what truck we're putting it on, what's the deck height, to make sure that we're not going to uh, be in an over height situation from a transportation uh, area. And then the last thing is, like I said, they're they're. There's a lot of play in them, and when you load them on a truck, they will shift back and forth. So you really want to stabilize that, and a good way to do that is to run a one of your load securements at a diagonal from one side, one say the top front corner of the box, down to the back corner to the trailer deck, and that kind of locks it in place so it doesn't shift as you accelerate or brake. 
it locks it into that uh, slanted position, I guess is the best way to say it. And it helps uh, from a load securement. You don't have that load rocking uh, down the highway. Also using dunnage helps to keep it from slipping uh, as you secure it uh, following DOT guidelines. But anything you can do to help secure that block it, put it up against the header, things like that is just going to make the transportation that much easier. And then lastly, just consider how you're going to get it on the truck uh, and off the truck. If you stack it in a weird position, uh, it's very difficult to get it off with a forklift. You have to use a crane or some other tool to get it off. And so it's always best to lay it on one of its sides. And that way a forklift or a front end loader can get in and remove it easily. Gary, Kurt alluded to it a little bit, talking about two pins per panel. All of those assembly instructions come from the tabulated data. Yeah, that's correct. Um, each each individual manufacturer supplies tab data for um, their particular products, um, no matter what the application. And, you know, just to reinforce one of the things Kurt said, um, you know, there is some precision involved when assembling um, maps boxes or aluminum shields. And so... Sometimes there's a tendency to lose track of the weight you're holding on to when you're trying to get a pin into a, a hole. And so that can create those pinch points or those those um, potential energy hazards that you lose focus here trying to trying to trying to secure a pin. And um, the other thing too, when you're when you're when you're assembling these things with more than one person is communication. Um, you can have a long panel that you're both are holding on to. And um, if you're going to let go or you're going to let it slip slide down into a rail, you need to let the other person know because um, it creates this awkwardness where um, the other person could lose balance or lose their grip. And so it's always important to be, uh, you know, very, have a lot of communication when you're sitting on them. Kind of like reminds me of a, uh, of a ballet, right? If you're going to jump onto somebody and you are expecting them to catch you, you better let the, they better be prepared to catch you. We had a situation just last week where a one of our branch managers and an employee were assembling. I think they were disassembling a maps box, and the uh, they were counting down uh, to hey, let's let's communicate, let's do it. You know, one, two, three. While the employee was dropping on two, and the manager was dropping on three, so they had to have a quick reset and say, okay, no, no, three is three is when we drop, not on two, because to your point there that communication is critical. And if you're not on the same page, uh, somebody's going to drop something early and that's when fingers get smashed or we drop it on our toes or something bad happens if we're not on the same page. Do we go on three or is it one, two, three, then we go? I think, exactly. I, I, think, I think there was a movie in the past uh, that, that mentioned that as well. Let's move on a little bit to aluminum and steel shields. As far as assembly, transportation considerations, what do folks need to know about these? So my first thing is always the line of fire. Uh, anytime you're you're handling something of that weight, and again, aluminum sounds light and, and fluffy, but it's not. It's going to hurt you just as bad uh, if you're in the, in the wrong place at the wrong time. So we treat them all identical with regards to the hazards. And being in the line of fire, where could that thing fall? Whether it's if you have it on a forklift and the forklift hits a bump, is it going to come to the right or the left or out front? You just want to keep your distance from uh, any time it's being moved. If it's being moved with a crane, stay well away from it. Obviously, never get underneath any suspended load. Uh, but know where the crane's going. Stay out of the line of fire. Uh, we spend a lot of our time 
trying to get uh, our, our customers, our uh, the public, because we're doing a lot of things on on roadways and sidewalk, and it's amazing. We have bicycles that drive underneath suspended loads, even though there's cones and everything we can do to control that scene. Uh, people don't pay attention sometimes, and they get in the wrong position. So that that line of fire, where where could it go? Uh, if you're loading on one side of the truck, we don't need a person on the other side saying, you know, to lower it, because if that goes forward, then they're going to be in the line of fire and that's not going to be good for anybody. So making sure that that's the, the, the biggest thing for me is where's where could it fall and make sure nobody's in that and using our stop work authority to get people to the back of the truck, or sometimes we tell our outside haulers at our branch, just go get in your truck <laughs> and we'll, we'll let you know when to come out and secure your load because they can't seem to understand that line of fire. The other thing with, uh, you know, the weather, right? If, if something's wet, something's icy, uh, all bets are off with what's going to happen with that. So you really got to uh, pay extra, extra attention, I guess, when uh, weather conditions are not favorable. And when we're talking about the assembly of this stuff, Gary, there might be some things that people really need to be aware of when they're putting this stuff together on the site. Yeah, I mean, again, they can you could really really underestimate the, the weight of say a spreader. Um, those things are uh, 45, 50 pounds per foot, and um, even a small spreader, a two foot, three foot spreader, um, that's that's almost a two, you know that's a two person lift when you get down to it. So. Um, Certainly understanding that you're doing your hazard 360, understanding the conditions, but um, just really understanding uh, what the, the what the specification of the equipment is, is very important. Yeah, so that kind of leads us to talking about steel shield spreaders. And Kurt, if I remember correctly, you had said that we could probably do an entire podcast on just this product alone, spreader management, right? Yeah, it, it's my nemesis, right? If I could make these out of uh, feathers and, and make it hold back all that dirt, I would do it in a heartbeat. But uh, they're they're a necessary tool. They're they're awesome at what they do, uh, but they're very deceiving because they're an eight inch, uh, as Gary just said, an eight inch uh, a schedule eighty. I think I'm quoting the right uh, uh, material there. Uh, is forty five pounds a foot. So if you think about that, you got a ten foot. 10 foot spreader, if my math's right, that's 450 pounds. Uh, that's that's a lot of weight. Uh, they roll. And uh, we've had, unfortunately, uh, we've many of our customers have dealt with uh, rolling stock and issues uh, that, that happens when uh, any cylindrical device is unsecured on a trailer deck. It has a tendency to to want to roll. And so you have to make sure that you know what's going to happen before you uh, unsecure it if you're hauling that. So a, a couple of things, we we pretty much, the best we can, we have a no-touch policy uh, with any spreader. Even if it's a two-foot spreader, I'd rather get a forklift and, and, and use that to finesse it into a rack or whatever we need to do with it. Too many times we have reached out and thought, well, I just need to align this uh, product. And sure enough, some you move, it's like pixie sticks. You move one and the other one moves a different direction that you never anticipated before. But they, they're very unpredictable once you start moving those things. So if you keep your hands off, use a magnetic tagline, use a 
our, uh, our some of our drivers use their winch bar. Uh, you can use a, a piece of dunnage, but just keeping your, your hands off of it is the best method and then let it do what it's going to do and then pick it up later. So uh, that that's the, the advice number one. Uh, we like to use a couple of methods to control our spreaders. Our, our most uh, favorite method, preferred method, is what we call our transit rack. So it's a way of putting the spreaders into a, a engineered rack that our, our crane operators can lift with one pick and pick up uh, 12 spreaders all at once. And then the customers can use that at the job site to move spreaders around their job sites in a rack. Uh, there's still the potential for it to slide out, but they're not going to roll out. Uh, so you still have to use proper precautions. Another method that we use internally is a, it's a banding technique. Our particular vendor is called cord strap. It's a plastic banding. Uh, you can use metal banding. You can use anything you like, but that locks them together. And then they're easier to manage. They won't roll off the end of the forklift easily i'll say they can roll but they're not going to be unpredictable if they're put together as a group so a lot of times we'll load a trench box we'll put four spreaders that are banded on top of that then do the load securement and as long as those uh, that banding's in place when you undo that load securement it shouldn't roll again you always have to be cautious never trust anything mechanical but you can have more assurance that it's at least going to go slow or it's not going to move at all. Uh, one of the things we try to teach our drivers is to loosen all the load securement first before you actually remove it. That way, if anything's going to shift, you still have something to kind of catch it. Uh, and then you can make another plan once you realize what's going on. Uh, sometimes we have loads that come back from customers or an outside hauler that we really don't understand how they got it loaded to begin with. But then they uh, were able to secure it, and we have, uh, we'll take two forklifts, one on each side, lock everything together, and then undo the load securement just because we don't want anything falling unexpectedly. So we have to uh, make a plan. And that's our, our motto is plan and prepare, execute safely. And if we have a plan, we can then uh, do, the, do the right things to protect our employees, our customers, and our outside holders. Um, Again, line of fire, know which way it's going to go. Are you on an incline when you're uh, unloading these? Be on the uphill side, not on the downhill side. Um, and then we also use our, our drivers carry what we call stake pocket bars. They're just a little two or three foot bar that fits into the stake pockets. It's just another line of defense. If those things are going to roll, hopefully they'll be caught by that uh, stake pocket bar. It's a great alignment tool. Uh, one thing you never want to use is a, a, a rock, and I call it the uh, the calibrated sandstone that's next to the truck. You never want to use uh, any kind of rock or material to secure something that heavy. It, you don't know what that uh, piece of granite or piece of sandstone is really rated at. It could crush and then roll. So we do use uh, truck chocks occasionally. There's some orange uh, things you can buy commercially that you can uh, nail into a four by four. So there's different methods out there to, to secure. You just wanna make sure you have a very positive means of keeping these things from rolling. And before you ever remove any load securement, make sure it's stable so that you're not in that line of fire. Yeah, storing these um, in a neat and orderly way is very important too, storing and transporting. I've seen situations where 
spreaders of all different sizes are just in a pile and there's just nothing safe about a big pile of steel that you got to grab something in the middle of it so just making sure they're stored and transported with like sizes um, not one little one in the middle a bunch of long ones you try to get underneath them with a fork and the little one falls out from underneath so something to keep in mind this has been part one of a special two-part episode dealing with safe equipment handling of Behind the Standards with United Rentals. Now, should you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic that you may wish for us to discuss, please send us an email to yourtspodcast at ur.com. On behalf of Gary Kurt and myself, thanks for tuning in. Have a great day and stay safe.